Hello everyone and welcome to episode 123 of the History Hotline. My name is Deanna Lincook and as always I'll be your host today. Now, today's episode is going to be me reacting to a newspaper article that has, I don't know, maybe it hasn't gone viral. I'm reacting on the Thursday the 26th of October for context. Um, This episode is going to come out on Tuesday the 31st of October. It's a little bit early, recording ahead of schedule, but I just wanted to give that disclaimer in case there are further updates within this story that you will know why I haven't included because I'm recording this a few days before. However, this headline, Half of Britons Can't Name a Black British Historical Figure Survey Finds, Guardian article by Dahlia Alberge um, that came out today. Now, some of you might be thinking, wow, shocking. Uh, It's not really that shocking, is it? Um, It's not shocking because actually most people, maybe this is a generalisation, but most people, the things they know in life have either come from school or further education or some kind of public history programming, whether that be through museums. In some cases, I don't think the actual majority of the general public access museums, if I'm honest, or TV or film, right? So if the public public programming and education system are not programming or scheduling anything in relation to Black British history, then why would people know about it? Like, why are we shocked you know we know this I talk about it all the time on this podcast we need to change the education system Wales has implemented a more diverse curriculum it has paid it's paying its dividends now um you've got a more educated population on the histories of a wider range of people um there are people that can speak to that that have noticed the things that their children now know about that they did not and are now educating them this is a, the benefit of education. Even if you do just educate the children, children go home and tell their parents and siblings what they learn at school and family members and the education continues. You know, it doesn't just stop. And it, it once you've left school, it doesn't mean you can't ever learn again. Those of you that are sat listening to this podcast today can attest to that. Um, so I wanted to go through this research because it is actually quite interesting that this research has been done. It was commissioned by Bloomsbury Publishing um, and they recently published an acclaimed book called Brilliant Black British History, celebrating the people who helped build Britain in the fields of science, sport, literature and law, which is by um, Nigerian-born author Atinuke. Now, the kind of headlines of this survey are that 75% of British adults acknowledge they did not know, quote, very much or, quote, anything at all about the subject. More than half, which was 53%, couldn't recall a single <laughs> black British history figure. Oh, my gosh. Um, and only 7% could name more than four. 7% of bl- of British people could only name four or, like, more than four, so four or five or six or seven plus that is okay I said I wasn't shocked but when you take those statistics it's a little bit more shocking because I can understand people not you know having a really comprehensive full rich understanding of black British history and the black presence in Britain but actually to not even be able to name one figure like not even a little Mary Seacole who is often taught in primary schools at least at the bare minimum a Mary Seacole you know there's statues now that Ha. One thing I will say though, 
a little nuance of this uh, conversation is the fact that actually there's a part of me that's not as horrified, maybe as I should be, about people not knowing the names of people. As I said, an ongoing debate on this podcast that I have with myself um, about the fact that do we need to know history through the eyes of these inspirational individual figures, these you know exceptional figures? Or is that feeding into black exceptionalism and this idea that you're only worth something if you do exceptional things as a black person in this country? Um, and so may, I would say that would be the case and I could say actually, okay, well, people don't know the, the, the people, the individuals, but maybe they know the movements or the organisations, but I know that they don't. So it's not actually that great of a thing. It's not really a caveat. But I thought it would be worth mentioning because maybe they could, people could name the events, things like the Bristol bus boycotts, for example, things, oh, I was going to say People's Day of Action in 81, but I don't even know, maybe that's too much of a reach. I don't even know if we, (laughs) I don't even know if that's too much. And I also come from a perspective of obviously doing a PhD in history in Black British Caribbean history and that kind of thing. And having been studying these kinds of things for a very long time, I know I'm in a bubble with a lot of people that also know a lot. And actually, when you just step outside of your bubble into the general population, you know, people are not as well versed. Um, So I say all that to say there are probably complexities and nuances to this conversation. I wonder what the age of people was who were surveyed. Um, I wonder if those people like history at all. I wonder if they could even name a white British historical figure. Now, I'm sure they could because they're literally everywhere. If it's not for a Winston Churchill or literally any prime minister that's gone past, you could probably use any of them. Um, A king, a queen, you know, there's options. So maybe those people, benefit of the doubt, don't like history at all and couldn't actually name a single historical person. I doubt it though, as I said. But anyway, when we get further into the study, and these are reported in the article, um, more than half, 53%, did not know how many people were taken from Africa by the British. Um, People believed it was around (laughs) 250,000 or fewer. (laughs) If only it were only 250,000. God forbid. But no, um, very few people, 12% of people knew that it was over a million. And that's an estimate that I don't really personally believe. Um, Not really the topic of today, though. Um, A million seems a bit light to me over that that many years and when slavery was so profitable for people um in britain and in the colonies there's one thing about the article that i really didn't like um it's the third paragraph and it says although people with dark skin first came to britain about twelve thousand years ago i don't know why referring to black people as people with dark skin because first of all that's not even true um people that are defined as black black being a social construct race being a social construct don't necessarily have to have dark skin um especially when we're thinking about i'm not even thinking about the history of britain and the sense of black being a um like a political blackness and including people that we would now call asian people i mean that you know black people from the caribbean um, from different parts of africa might be lighter skinned um so referring to them as dark skinned is very redundant um and i just don't think it sits well in this article well that's me just you know being critical um and thinking back to last week's episode about language and how important it is uh especially when we're thinking about these histories um there are of course other findings uh from this survey 
Um, but a lot of them pertain to the fact that a lot of, lot of Britons interviewed in this didn't know that um, the first black people migrated to Britain when they did, as early as they did, or in more recent times uh, in the post-war Caribbean immigration, being one of the largest waves of black people migrating here. Um, a lot of people really didn't know where that history was. And I think that's because, um, well, they haven't been educated, of course, but also actually it's kind of strange to look at the migrations of people to Britain as a way, like a starting point for black British history, because in its earliest inception of the presence of black people, um, I think the third century AD is where there's a presence of North Africans or African people um, in the Roman Empire in Britain, uh, guarding Hadrian's Wall, in positions of soldiers. Um, and I wouldn't really speak of that as a massive wave of migration. And, and maybe some people would argue it's not notable uh, or significant, um, but there's a presence. Um, there are scholars uncovering the presence of black people as early as you can imagine to as current as now. I'm not really going to speak too much about the fact that the education system needs to change, because if you've been here before, then... You might be bored of that conversation. I know I am, um, but I've said it. There are other ways of educating people because education in school changes, changes in the curriculum obviously will only impact those in school and, and those with children um, in of school age. Um, public history is a great way of educating people um, in a way that's different to the way they might have been educated in school. A lot of people have a lot of trauma attached with their schooling um, and because of that, I think, struggle in later life to um, continue the process of learning in an kind of any kind of academic setting or sense. Um, you know, not to toot my own horn, but things like podcasts, maybe not this one. Uh, there are others that do similar work um, in different ways. Films. I really do think this country is seriously missing a trick when it comes to um, education through film, especially within uh, Black British history. I think the reason we know so much about these figures in America, um, as a comparative example, and I'm talking about African-American and black figures in America, is because of the, the films that come out. And I know Hollywood is a, a machine that can churn out these films and, and has so much uh, by way of budget and people and talent and whatnot in terms of actual numbers, not they're more talented than anybody that's British. Um, but we don't do that here. I off the top of my head can't think of a film that was you know produced directed or coming out of like a british filming space i don't know what they're called like a what are they called not a publishing house um a production company there we go or a um channel that focuses on on a black british figure i mean and i mean that in like a film setting obviously we've had the tv shows we've had the small act series we get the documentaries bbc do quite a few of those and channel four and channel five actually and on netflix there's a few on there too um but i'm thinking about like you know full feature length films we go to the cinema or we stream and watch about a black british figure what britain is getting a little bit better at is is having films and tv shows about the black british experience but not necessarily about these really key and important figures and individuals i just googled because i wanted to be sure and i typed in black british historical films and 12 years a slave came up and that is the issue that is the issue 
that we're having in Britain right now. Other ways that you can educate the public about anything really, um, centre things in the public sphere, like statues and monuments, and as much as I hate them and think they're really tokenistic, maybe they do important work in regards to educating the public. But I don't know, because how many people actually take note of the statues that they pass on their commute or in the shopping areas that they visit? Um, I think, actually, though, if a new statue goes up, maybe you do take note of it because it's new. And you think, who's that of? Um, especially if they're black, because realistically, it, it does look different within the landscape of, of British statues. You know, they tend to be of white men. Um, there are very, very few statues of any kind of black people in this country. And if they are, they tend to be men, number one, and number two, not under the kind of realm of, of black British. It would be a Nelson Mandela. Um, so it's very interesting, I think, of the different ways outside of education that um, this kind of narrative could change. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if any of these things do change. Now, I also wanted to say I think within the kind of narrative and the discourse coming on and following this article being published there is actually a lot of, of people kind of I guess blaming individuals for not knowing things and as much as I would agree to an extent that you have an individual responsibility to educate yourself about certain things unfortunately fighting back against a kind of lack of, of education within the British education system is very difficult especially in the society that we're living in whereby most people are really just trying to survive and pay their bills. They don't have time to be doing the reading. And yes, we had the Black Lives Matter movement resurgence in 2020, where a lot of people were prompted to do the reading and had time to do the reading, and maybe did some of the reading. Um, I think a lot of that reading was actually in relation to anti-racism, as opposed to black British history. And the two definitely go hand in hand, and I think it's one of the reasons why black British history education is so important. However... Um, were people actually reading about these key figures and individuals that have made a change historically and have those messages stuck with them to this point where they can now answer questions. Um, these surveys were done by YouGov. YouGov, YouGov, um, between the 2nd and 3rd of October and the 26th and 27th of September. And the sample in the 26th and 27th of September was of 2,268 adults and the second sample um, in October was... 2,506. Now, they're not huge numbers. Um, are they that representative of wider society uh, when there are millions of people in this country? Maybe not. Um, but I think they do speak to a general pattern and a general trend in society. I think there was a survey that came out, another YouGov poll, that found 59% of respondents were um, proud or said that the British Empire was something to be proud of. Only 19% said it was a source of shame. This was in 2014, something I always come back to and always think about. And I think about it because, well, I think that the education and the way that we speak about empire in this country is that it was a positive thing um, and I, I personally cannot, cannot see that side of the argument at all but, and I wonder how many people, if their mind would change if they had more of an education on actual, the impacts of empire globally and the kind of knock-on effects and the legacies of empire and colonialism um, in the world today. I wonder. There are other ways we can educate ourselves, um, books being one of them, talks, public history talks, community talks that are centering historical figures also. 
Um, I don't think we actually need to necessarily be educating ourselves solely on figures, on individuals. Um, I think that a wider, uh, more inclusive education publicly all round would be very useful and helpful, not only for, you know, people's own knowledge, but also in in conversations about anti-racism. I think diversifying what we know about people, um, others in the world that are now within British society, you know, um, we came here because they were there and they being the British quote unquote, um, they colonised our land and in return we find ourselves here um, and that's we being black people, Asian people, uh, people of the former or current Commonwealth countries, um, the colonies uh, within the British Empire that now reside in Britain and are staking a claim on this land, you know. I think a lot of the pushback of learning these histories comes from this idea that that Britain is changing um, and, you know, the landscape of of what people look like is changing, the interests, the culture is shifting and that's always going to happen. That was always going to be a result of colonialism because there was really no reason for Britain to find itself in so many corners of the world and now all those corners of the world find themselves in Britain and Britain will have to deal with that and whatever that means, whether that means changing the education system, um, modifying things culturally. Um, we, we can see so many changes already, um, but they will continue. Uh, and I don't think that's anything to, to feel negative about. It's something to embrace. It is something to get down with. Uh, and it's something to stay on the right side of because we've seen racial clashes. We've seen what, what violence can break out uh, because of racial tensions. I'll point to the 1980s, 81, 85, uh, we could go even further back. Um, we can even go to as recent as, as today um, to see what tensions on a racial level can look like uh, when they explode. And there's no reason for them to get to that point. Uh, and I think all it would take, actually, is a little bit of education. So whilst, you know, this article and the survey done is a little moment on Twitter that will probably go viral and and leave people tweeting about it for a few hours or days, maybe weeks if we're lucky. Um, Just remember that it was never supposed to be a moment and it I'm referring to is like BLM and the resurgence, you know? That work that everybody seemed so passionate and so caring about in 2020 was never just going to stop there. It is a movement and it will be a long movement. Um, It will be a long fight. But it will be beneficial and I think if we're all chipping away in our different environments, disciplines, workspaces, professions, communities, then there's no reason we can't eventually, um, you know, make a really, really big and sizable change. And maybe this survey will be done again in 10 or 15 years and the results will be completely flipped on their head. That's me being very optimistic, which is rare for me. I'm not really that optimistic of a person when it comes to race relations in Britain, but maybe, maybe, just maybe. Um, I'm going to leave that there. Thank you so much for listening. And I truly mean that actually from the bottom of my heart, because not only do you support this podcast by listening, you also learn, you are actively learning about these histories that I'm so passionate about and I feel are so important uh to society um at at large so thank you for doing the work for supporting me to be able to do the work um please remember to share this podcast widely if you can tell a friend to tell a friend we are on socials on instagram at the history hotline on twitter at the history hl 
we're on LinkedIn, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube, we're available on all good podcast platforms. You're probably listening to this on a platform, so you, sh- you definitely know that. Leave us a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify now. Leave us a comment if you're listening on Apple. Um, it really does help amplify the podcast and to get it to a wider audience because maybe the more people that listen, the more we'll see a change. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Goodbye.